All right, everybody, welcome back to episode eight of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy. Uh, I'm here with my good friend, Max, a.k.a. Cards Max Worldwide Unlimited Sapphire Edition. What's up, Max? Well, I'm humbled to be called Worldwide Sapphire Edition to boot, but I'm doing good. I am ready to talk some cards as always. Yes, we. it's been a big week of cards in our lives. We haven't gotten to touch base too much, but I know that we've both been active out and about in the real world of cards. Can you uh, tell me what you were up to? Yeah, we have to put a clarifier on that. Real world of cards, you know, not necessarily the real world. But I went to two shows this weekend and a bleaker trade night. Uh, so I'm always busy. I'm always trying to wheel, deal, expand, grow, buy, sell, trade, and everything in between. That's why they call you Cards Max Worldwide. So what 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 was up with the Bleaker trading night? What was went down? I heard you talked to some cool dudes. Um, the Bleaker trade night was okay. Um, this one was sponsored by Slap Socks. Um, I've bantered with them online every now and then. They have a stronger presence on Instagram. But Aaron and Nate were both great guys. Um, we had a funny little uh, instance of where I bought a card from PWCC. It was a Jordan Lawler auto. Um I cracked it and then sold it, you know, that same day. And then I found out that they were the consigners of the card. Then I had wow. actually bought the card from them and I had it in my backpack and I showed it to them. That was very funny. I love, I love when that happens. I've, uh, there is a guy, his name is Matt, uh, Matt's card, Matt's, not Matt's cards on Twitter, my homie, but this other guy, I think it's like Matt B-ball cards or something, but uh, he sold me a Clay Thompson blue or certified rookie and i met him at a show and he was and i like he like ended up following me and then he like commented on the card from like a few months before and was like dude i sold that to you that's hilarious so i love when that shit happens what uh what was the show like that you went to what were the two shows i went to two shows i want to say it was woodbridge new jersey on saturday and garfield new jersey on sunday i know garfield has a reputation of being one of the stronger north jersey local shows that's uh, incidentally pretty baseball heavy and pretty sport heavy. Um, from the few shows that I've gone to in New Jersey, there's definitely like a 50-50 Pokemon to sport uh, balance between the two. I definitely found that in Woodbridge on Saturday. Um, I like to go on a drive and I like to go to see some shows. Um, what did from, you buy? What did you buy, dude? What did you buy? What did I buy? I did not find many things for myself personally which is a little bit upsetting. There was, it did lack in the cool cards department. Um, I bought a, I guess the one thing that I have right now in my possession is a Spencer Torkelson true orange out of 25 first Bowman. And that was definitely when I saw it, that was popping out of the case. It's like, okay, this is definitely a unique card. Yeah. That's a out of 25, right? Out of 25. But, you know, for better or for worse, it was more of a deal-making week than a, I'm going, uh, this is a wicked card that I want to keep forever. Yeah, I feel that. So this has actually been, this was a special weekend. The, the young old heads were in the same state for a little bit this weekend. For the first very, very, out. very briefly. Very, very briefly. I was in on the Jersey Shore at uh, my first ever bachelor party for my future brother-in-law, and that was a great time. Got to do some indoor virtual golf. I, that was fun. And uh, on Sunday... Luckily, I was able to be in town for the Philadelphia Fishtown card show. Uh, I actually went with my future brother-in-law, and he had a he thought it was hilarious that I like knew these random people in Philadelphia. But uh, that show was pretty cool. I saw pretty much 
a lot of cool cards, but like similar to you, what you were saying, I actually saw a lot of Pokemon, more Pokemon than I had seen at uh, some of the shows out here in the Midwest. So that was cool to see. Um, what I bought was a sticker box of 2001 uh, Harry Potter. I think it's whatever the first movie is. They made stickers. So it's like the Daniel Radcliffe rookie sticker and uh, Emma Watson. So that was fun to rip. And uh, that was some cool stuff. The, I saw Acetate Power Ranger cards from 1994. Max, do you remember Power Rangers? Um, I do remember Power Rangers. I want to touch on the Harry Potter for a second. Yeah, so those were those were stickers, right? Yeah, they're stickers. How much was the box, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, it was a hundred bucks. Okay, because I know like the actual Harry Potter hobby boxes go for bazooka crazy prices. Yeah, you want to talk about Harry Potter cards for a sec? So I know like... very little. I just know that Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson have autos in it. Yeah, well, all right. So first of all, yeah, they they have the art box. So art box is a company yeah. that makes cards for like certain movies and tv shows uh they did a bunch of sets in like the mid 2000s uh but those i think the first one is for goblet of fire so the first like daniel radcliffe autos and that sort of thing are in that but these are some og like first second movie the sticker is pretty cool um i'm holding up one of the uh daniel radcliffe stickers but these are considered the first one first printing or whatever of for that those characters they actually made a animated set Earlier in the year in 2001, that Panini, these are all Panini products. Uh, mm -hmm. That's like an animated version of the characters. And then Watsi made a game, like a TCG game for Harry Potter. But so that's kind of the, the vintage Harry Potter, quote unquote. Uh, but do the stickers still hold clout? Not too much clout, but they do have some prism aspects to some of them. So I think long term, I'm, I'm a hold. They're cool. They're cool cards. I, are cool stickers. Clarifier. Okay, important clarifier. Important clarifier. But uh, what are your thoughts on stickers, Max? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. Um, we've talked about it with soccer before in that it's interesting and unique in that it's way easier to produce on a smaller scale. So internationally, players will oftentimes have their – or soccer players specifically will have their first sticker predate their first card. So when people are discussing collectibles, well, what? let's get the true rookie. Let's get the closest thing to the origin as possible. But – I think there's it's really kind of arbitrary, which sucks with cards. When we're talking about the rookie card logo and whether something is a true rookie, that or we have at least tried to develop a standard where it's cut and dry. But Panini basketball stickers are lame. No one wants a LaMelo ball rookie card sticker. Maybe some people do, but at least in the sport of basketball, we are heavily focused on cards. And I think that is legitimate, but I cannot pinpoint why. It is I know why, okay, like, you know, there's the general field test as to why. I get that, but I can't discern it into rules. Yeah, and I also think the farther you go back, the more blurry it gets because of, like, how limited options there are for vintage stuff. Uh, like, I vintage F1 stuff, I want to have my friend Kimbo on at some point on the pod, but he has all the Senna cards, and they're all, like, stickers and stuff, but I'm always interested to hear, like, hear what why people prefer the sticker or card and like as we you like to talk about like the gap between the first one and the second one so with harry potter you get the 2001 sticker 2004 cards the cards i mean demand a premium because of the autographs it's and stuff but uh that's sort of another th aspect of it is the distance between the sticker and a first card yeah for sure i mean i know we've talked about a little bit about Dwayne the rock johnson his bumblebee um card his first card as a university of miami football player is in 1994 and then his first wwf and cardinal cards are 97 
that you can, I mean, it speaks for itself in that no one was producing the rock cards just to market and maximize the marketing ability of his name and the rock. No, he, he had a 1994 card because he was part of the university of Miami football team. And then three years later was the next relevant time for him to have a card, which is why I think SI for kids, you know, their little cutout cards and other weird esoteric stuff like that carries weight is because it wasn't just produced to sell. Yeah. I mean, so I actually saw Tiger Woods PSA five SI kids that caught my attention this weekend. Uh, my man Delco rips. Alex is a nice guy. He's from fi- uh, the Philly area and he had it. That's an interesting one because, you know, you have 2001 upper deck Tiger Woods rookie. You have the, there's a 97, I want to say 98, like tall card. Uh, that's from the master set. But mm. yeah, you're right. The the SI kids cards are always, you don't like them, do you? It's not that I like or don't like them. I just, I'm not connected to them when collecting. Yeah. Have you seen the 2012 Mike Trout one? I think that one's pretty cool. I have not. That's a cool early trout for you to, as a trout collector. Uh, I sent you a cool trout on Instagram this week. Did you end up buying that or no? I did not end up buying that. I sent it to at Saratoga Slabs. I sent it to Alex and I was like, hey, this is a good deal. Should I do it? And he's like, yeah, that's a good deal. And then I, I didn't buy it. But I already have one trout camo from 2021 uh, tops, or excuse me, 2022 tops. I'm like, ooh, do I really need to dip another thing into a long term hold that? Because a big thing for me right now is not just identifying holds and not holds for financial or enjoyment reasons. My, you know, I don't want to say I have an issue, but I don't want to enjoy a card for three months and then get bored of it. Yeah. Right. And it's fine to have those cards in your inventory in your collection, but I don't want that to be every single move to be it for it to be on impulse. Yeah. I, and the card for the people back home was a 2020 or 2019, 19. Uh, 2019 trout camo. Uh, it was for like 130 or something on Instagram. It was pretty cool. But Max, speaking of, you know, what you're going to hold versus what you're going to sell, long-term holds, et cetera. I know an, an important aspect of that whole process for you is grading. And PSA came out with some news that's going to impact your life greatly. Uh, what it, what happened? What went down? What's going to, what's going to, what does it mean for Cards Max worldwide? Cards Max Unlimited? Oh, I, I am one of many who grade, Tommy. You are a grader now, too, yeah. as, you, as you've joined forces. But PSA has announced at first through different group submitters, and I think now they've addressed it publicly, that they're going to have $30 value submissions. I'm not sure if it's open to Collector Club's member or to the public, but regardless, you can submit through whichever group submitter you like. And the estimated turnaround time is 120 days. And they are emphasizing that they will not be addressing these cards until the current 2021 backlog is fully completed. Um, last I checked on the complete through dates, most orders are completed up through March. And if we're taking a little history lesson on at the end of February, let's say February 28th, entering on March 1st, there was a rumored price hike rise for bulk from roughly $15 per card to what ended up being $25 per card. There was a sudden rush and influx of people trying to submit before this rumored price rise that everyone knew about. And then, you know, from Mar- for the entirety of March 2021, when they had the $25 um, submissions, on April 1st, they shut down and they do not allow any other submissions at, I believe, any level below Super Express. So now that we are, you know, all the complete through dates are updated to give or take mid-March, the Runt, the majority of 
the backlog has been addressed, if not in terms of time. The month, the March month is going to be way easier for them to overcome than the February month. So four months turnaround, give or take, is what you should be expecting. They're adding that caveat so that they can have a little bit more leeway. I've seen some group submitters just say four to six months just to get themselves a little bit more comfort. How this affects me, I am the happiest man on earth because PSA economy has been advertised 90-day turnaround. It's been for the longest time about a month door-to-door. It's now eked into about six weeks door-to-door. And this means no more retail optic parallels being submitted at $50. These are probably good. Most people submitting these are probably going to submit them to $30, which means higher levels are just going to be going even faster. Yeah, that's good news for you. You like to deal in the, what's your range of cards just for the people back home? Like, what do you search? What like range of card are you trying to buy to flip? Oh, I am a degenerate. I will crack any slab. I will, I actually cracked a PSA 8 Blaze Jordan Speckle autograph and it came back a PSA 10 today that popped. I will crack anything. I am, I, but I, I think that's part of the fun. That's part of the euphoria, trying to uh, find and uncover the hidden gems. So, and no, I, I, looked, meant, I meant like actual but, but, value. But, yeah, I know, value. I know. I, I know you meant value. Um, okay. Let's say give or take, I try to do $200 or more worth of card, like the 200 to $1,000 range in terms of like raw card value. Mm-hmm. I want to, connecting to what I was saying, I'm not really actively finding raw cards as much just because it's a climate to where everyone is privy to want to grade everything again. And it's like, hey, I'd rather take a mint card that has a, maybe a minor defect and take the gamble again than going for a raw card that could be scuffed. Yeah, true. So that's kind of been, uh, that's actually an interesting point. I haven't yeah. thought about that. We're at, the, mean, point, we're at yeah. the point where everyone and their mom is grading again, but it's not everyone and their grandma. Like there's still some time. Yeah, it's only everyone and their mom is grading. So that totally makes sense. What's yeah. your mom submitting these days? Um, probably Harry Potter stickers. <laughs> oh man, I love you, Max. That's great. <laughs> Have you ripped anything this week? Um. My healthy way of of combating ripping is by buying Tops Now parallels, and I bought two straight twenty packs. I believe one was with Max Verstappen, and I think one was with Lewis Hamilton. I, that's what I'm thinking offhand, and I did not hit a parallel in my two twenty packs. So I'm on an zero for forty streak, and hopefully it'll get fixed. But I will say, I can at least tell myself that I'll break even, and that is a little bit healthier than ripping into the hobby boxes of hobby boxes that I have. It's not that many hobby boxes, but I do not be, need to be ripping Topps Finest Basketball and Bowman University Football right now. Yeah, because you only buy the worst hobby boxes. You're, that, you, so you're not ripping a Prism FOTL football? No, I don't have the restraint. I mean, actually, with FOTL football, I might have the restraint, but with Bowman Chrome, yeah, that's being ripped. Do you have any first impressions of Prism football? Very expensive at this point. People know what they're getting into, which is a bloodbath. Yeah. And they are diluting the checklist even more, but something's got to give between the price point and the print one of parallels. I don't think I will be having any boxes in my possession. And if it is, it's to ship it off right to eBay. Did you have any thoughts on how Fanatics did their drop today of Blasters? Um, they were doing raffles, I believe, right? Yeah. So basically you would go in, you'd say how many boxes you would buy. And then you would just some like you'd randomly be chosen. Um, it's unfortunate that they're doing it this way because it's giving even less of a pathway for legitimate human users. I mean, look, obviously everyone is a human, but bot entries are rampant. The best bots 
are able to do raffle entries in mass. So this is not good for the consumer. No. Um, I bought a football card last week that came in the mail. Uh, for the viewers back right. home, I have a 2007 Topps Chrome Red Refractor Marshawn Lynch rookie card uh, out of 139. This is an uncirculated card, meaning so this would come in a hobby box. There would be a pack and there would be a card that came in a case like the one that I'm holding up. Uh, it's like a one touch, basically. And they would... So basically, these red refractors only came in hobby boxes, only in these box topper packs. Uh, they came encased in these packs. that, So they're called uncirculated. Uh, Max, what are your thoughts on the uncirculated cards back in the day? So they made uncirculated, obviously, chrome refractors and parallels in this case, right? Yeah, so this is the only one for this year. So or maybe there's a, there's a super as well, but it's because, like the red and the super. Because football and how top said football kind of confuses me. I know that, and from my knowledge of Bowman baseball, that they had test-proof superfractors that I believe I'd actually, I don't even speak cause I don't really I think know at all. Not no, they did, man. but I don't know. I don't know how they were distributed. Yeah. And I don't know either. They have blank backs and printing plates, printing plates, obviously inserted into packs. I am pro tops blank backs because they're cool. They're unique. It's equal access to everyone who is a diehard and just goes to the tops vault eBay. But for other uncirculated stuff, like uncirculated superfractors, I think they're a little bit gimmicky. Or at the very least, the people that are trying to resell them, say, collect what you love. If it's great for your binder or your showcase, I love it. And I hope you love it. I just can't get too in love with a fake superfractor. Your stuff is the red refractors, but those are more nah, legitimate. No, nah, no. Nah. So what I'm saying is that okay. there would be a card that would come in a case like this in a hobby box, and it would be the super versus the red refractor. You would only get red or supers in that box. Or in that pack, I mean. Then that sounds cool to me. Yeah, no, you were just missing. But, I think you're just missing what some. I don't know if that's well, you're the saying case production value. You're saying like production proofs and stuff like that, and the proofs confuse me because yeah. I because I know they have 2009, you know, Bowman Superfractor test proofs, and that just stares at me in the face. That is not a real Superfractor. Oh, okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. This is uh, this is a little different. This yeah, this kind of goes different. back to the the retail versus hobby thing because like in this case, the supers were only hobby exclusives in these box topper packs, so you can. You know, I don't even know if they did Topps Chrome football uh, blasters or whatever back in the day, but in, in that case, you would never have had the odds of getting a super. Yeah. It is a lot of technicality. In one pers- in one case, I'm a little bit overwhelmed by it and trying to wrap my head around it. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, that's what collecting is partly all about in embracing and loving and being to regurgitate those technicalities to bewilder someone like me. Just dropping knowledge bombs on you, Max. But uh, yes. yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I think you will appreciate about cards that come like uncirculated in this case are the con- like the condition sensitivity of it. You don't find too many of these graded because of the seal on the case that it comes in. So people tend to leave them in these. Uh, who knows what this would even grade out to? I don't know if I'm even going to send this to you. It looks a little off center, but um, I might send it to Cards Max to see if you can get your official approval yes i will always take a look at everything <laughs> you love cool cards you still have my pink ice jordan pool my warriors won yet again in the playoffs uh we're one and one against the celtics it was a brutal loss on thursday but i am reaching the point where i have to make some decisions man like what if steph curry wins finals mvp do i sell off some of my cards um i haven't totally decided but what would you do in your case max if you were me I was re I was watching, I believe it was 
uh, from Vice. I don't know if it was from Vice or not, but there was a scenario from the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals at the time of what it means for each lead player if they were to win the NBA Finals. And with Curry, Curry is probably a top you – know, the thesis from that video with, in regards to Curry was that Curry is right now a top 30 player of all time. With another ring, he catapults into the top 20 and maybe higher. Um, I think in a basic sense, from what should I do from cards, sell the low end by the high end because the high end is not going to go any lower. Um, I don't. I just that's what I'm worried about with Jordan Poole now too. If they win, like if he really plays well and they win, he the sky's the limit for the guy. So I think I just have to hold everyone. Uh, Playing playing the seat. There are only two things that are undefeated: father time and playing the seasons. So with lower end stuff, I love your pink eyes to death. Um, there is going to be an offseason dip. You know, that is why I'm trading away my, you know, Jordan Nawara RPA. It's because I know no one really cares about Jordan Nawara now. People, there's even fewer people that are going to be checking his auctions four months from now. So if that means if I can buy back a little bit lower for the stuff that is still kind of available and not in vaults, then I would like to do that. Yeah, you you but you just auctioned off a hockey card. What what card are you auctioning on eBay right now? I my my plan, similar to I guess you with the Warriors, except with way less hometown passion. I've been deeply following and rooting for the Edmonton Oilers throughout the entire postseason through their game seven round one clash of the LA Kings. They beat the Calgary Flames, and then in the Western Conference Finals, they played the Colorado Avalanche. And they got sweeped four to zero. Um, You're here first. They got sweeped. They got they got sweeped, and it was an <laughs> overall great showing for McDavid, Drazatow, Evander Kane. You know the great powers on that offense. They got crushed. I originally had dropped off my card with. It's very convenient that I have one of the biggest eBay consigners on the planet in PC sports cards that they are a 30 minute drive from my house. They're also the largest PSA group submitter. So I dropped off the card with them a few days ago. I was like, Hey, like let's, let's auction this off when the Oilers make the finals. They said, cool. Next thing I know, I'm frantically sending them an email saying list that McDavid ASAP. <laughs> so that's up on eBay right now. <laughs> that is her. That's wait, wait, so what's the card? Gun. What's the card though? It's a young gun, right? It is a Connor McDavid BGS 9.5 Young Guns, um, True Gem Plus. It I believe it had a 10 subgrade for edges. And even though they made the Western Conference Finals, it's very interesting because I think the card is a pop two to three thousand in the PSA 10, a pop seven thousand or so in a BGS 9.5, which speaks just towards the dominance that Beckett had during the mid 2010s, as well as that young guns are short printed cards, but they're not like under a 3000 count print run. I mean, there's 10,000 gem mint copies of that card and that I bought mine. I want to say back in February or March when hockey wasn't as looked at, but now everyone is listing their McDavid young guns. And I may even have a slight loss despite the making, despite the Oilers and McDavid making the Western Conference Finals. Or are you just never knowing when to sell? <laughs> or that's could just be a me problem. But I think there is legitimacy to, okay, is this player heating up or is this just more buyers and sellers available? Yeah. Or is it I'm, just more volume? I'm totally ignorant when it comes to hockey, but hearing, like I always hear young guns are short prints, young guns are short prints. And you telling me that there's 10,000 gem mint copies graded of that card, that makes it seem less short printed than maybe 
people yes, are led to believe. But in the lazy comparison, he is the Mike Trout of of hockey. There are yeah. Yeah, and how many what is the Mike Trout PSA 10 pop? Do you know? Off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, I want to say five thousand copies. I'm gonna double check myself. All right, but I'm gonna do quick, but like Hockey young guns are cool though because it's a very consensus. This is the coolest card, and I think that with basketball, with football, I mean, there's Prism and people. You know, that's kind of the new wave. The last like, ye- but just post COVID, you know, seems to be the most desirable. But base rookie, I think tops taking over the license is the best thing that could happen to those markets long term. I think the Panini market of so many products, so many different rookies. They're even introducing this photogenic product this year, and it's like. There's just too many products. Uh, there's not enough uh, focus by the by Panini itself on marketing wise on which should be considered the best rookie. Um, I think Tops taking over the Tops Chrome basketball coming back in football potentially. I mean, that is good for the hobby long term. Tops is good. Tops is good for the hobby. Is that true or false, Max? When they aren't incompetent, and I've always have a lot to gripe about. But they are good for the hobby. Look, it's all consumerism. It's all arbitrary. It's all we are subject to whatever these companies produce. But in that, we are able to like and prefer what we like and prefer. Um, Going back on that, I did hit it a little bit on the money. There are 5,700 2011 Tops Update US 175 Mike Trout Gem Mints. And that when we're looking at it like, okay, it's you know, hockey, Young Guns is the go-to rookie card. Chops, Paper, or Chrome, or Bowman First, that's the go-to. Prism for basketball and football. It just makes it more easily digestible, easily consumable. In a way, it kind of makes it more generic, but at the same time, it gives those parallels so much more stature and esteem. Yeah, I think that's that's something that this new Prism football is just really shoved in my face is just oh, here's five different one-on-one out of five parallels that you should be caring about. Everyone should freak out every time any of these quarterbacks get one of these pulled. And I'm like, this is desensitizing, man. I yeah. don't, these don't, these, I don't, this doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, I mean, if I may talk about my football fandom for a moment. I know you have the basketball, the Warriors, you're growing up with them. Steph is your guy from day one. For me, I'm from Long Island, New York. There's the Jets and the Giants as local teams. I started kind of loosely following sports after the Giants already had won both of their Super Bowls. And as I'm trying to follow football, with of which both teams actually play in New Jersey, both teams sucked then. They suck now. And I find myself devoid a bit from fandom. And it's really just chasing the big names when I'm opening product. I called myself a Giants fan for five to seven years. And I'm just like, I can't take this anymore. There's just no attachment. So that's just a little insight to my own fandom. I mean, my my football fandom is equally as tortured history, man. I mean, I I know I'm lucky. I'm incredibly blessed when it comes to being a a San Francisco Giants fan and a Golden State Warriors fan, you know, in our lifetimes. But growing up, I was a Raiders fan, and I my dad was a Raiders fan back in the uh, 70s. And when they left for LA, he fully was like, "I'm out. I'm no longer a fan." Uh, And then when they came back, even so, when I was growing up, my dad always told me, "Tommy." they're going to leave again. You shouldn't be a fan. <laughs> like, or you like warned me. And yeah. now, uh, and I, eventually they left and now I have no team to collect. I don't yeah. want to collect the Raiders. I don't care about the Raiders at all. I think there's a little bit, I mean, there is relevancy to um, California specifically because there's so many teams in so many different cities, not to mention how it's so strong in the culture as in New York, there are almost every single sport, hockey, football, 
I will attest that it's not relevant to basketball, but baseball, like you have two New York sports teams that are generally very geographically similar. I mean, Buffalo Bills exist, but very geographically similar, but they're just different owners. And it's like, how do you decide whether you want to be an Islanders fan or a Rangers fan? Sure, the Islanders are on Long Island, but the Rangers are in New York City. There's so much deciding that as a New Yorker, it's sometimes difficult to choose. That is making me think of about a point that I want to ask your opinion for, Max. Uh, there's there's a sense in the hobby that what team you play for matters. And to some extent, you know, that seems obvious to people like LeBron going to the Lakers or something. He's going to be in a more familiar uniform. More fans of that team means more bigger market for cards. Uh, but with a guy like Wander Franco, Mike Trout, even in the Angels, it's like these are the, some of the best players in their sport, the best players in their sport. LeBron was on the Cavs, uh, even as the first. Uh, but does team matter to price and who you should be buying? And who? what do you think about that personally? Oh, team, I mean, if we're talking about the economy of cards, team absolutely matters. I think it's just that in baseball, you are able to, I mean, baseball is a marketing problem, but the best players don't necessarily need to be winning rings. Soto has a ring. Acuna kind of has a ring. Trout and Trout doesn't have a ring, but it still doesn't take away that he is the best player in the sport, or most people would say that he's the best player in the sport. With basketball, you are able to have a key player lead you directly to a championship, and it's less of an emphasis on the team, let alone that also players are much stronger in marketing themselves as individuals than Mike Trout is for baseball. So I guess at the end of the day, it's specific to the player and to the sport and how well they can project themselves, because that's how you get more fans. But at the end of the day, it's very specific to the player in the sport. Yeah, that's, that's a good way. I guess that's a, that is a cop-out answer, Max. It's not a cop-out. <laughs> You're saying it's just... Well, I guess it is not, but like re- it's just relative. It matters, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a boost. Playing for the Yankees is much more significant than playing for the Mets. Yeah, I guess, but... Well, not I, you guess, it is. What about, what about situations where it's like Tatis, his first Bowman's in a White Sox jersey? That, I think, does matter more. And continuity in a jersey does carry significance. Because if you're thinking about it as a Padres fan and a Padres collector, then you would want to have your guy in your hometown uniform. Even though he didn't play a single at-bat in the majors for the White Sox, it takes away the clout and the coolness of the card. Yeah, I was actually... that made me, like. Do you think Trout's prices are high sort of because... Uh, not because but an attribute of it is because he's in the same uniform every single year it's not like Mookie Betts where he's you know he's one of the best players in baseball too he's not you know close to Mike Trout's level but you know now he's kind of split his allegiances between the Red Sox and Dodgers um do you have a thought on that I think that it does take away from the I guess the coolness of the card um in terms of the desirability and the value of Trout look the Angels suck as of now, they just fired Joe Madden today after a 12-game losing streak. And they need to be able to produce wins and championships. If we're looking at Trout, there's always a boost to a player, I guess, in terms of desirability, if they spent their entire career with one team. LeBron doesn't get that. Kobe does get that. There is significance in that for collecting and the legacy. And at the end of the day, from a financial standpoint, the legacy is what matters the most. Yeah, and I think LeBron is going to be the ultimate time test of this because, you know, he did win two rings with the Heat. And I love, I, you know, I was kind of 
maybe controversially a huge fan of LeBron when he was on the Heat. I love that he went there. I loved watching those teams. I love that version of LeBron. And I get drawn to these cards of him on the Heat. And I always am shocked by I'm mean, not shocked, but like it's always obvious why they're they're cheap because it's also when Topps lost the license and it transitioned over to Panini. But that era of cards is something that I'm always interested in. So looking into LeBron Heat cards is interesting. It's like it doesn't seem like Miami, their fans, have too much of attachment to LeBron. LeBron stands. Which I think is wicked. Like, I don't understand how that's possible that you don't. You have the best, possibly the best, greatest basketball player of all time, and yet there aren't diehard LeBron Heat collectors. He got you two rings. That's a huge and, deal. And those are his best years. Like, yeah, people, that is prime LeBron. People sleep on that, I think. I mean, we, you know, we don't, we've talked a lot about sports in this yeah. episode and analysis, but like, LeBron Heat era, that those are that's important basketball moments, and you know his time there is influential on everything. And yeah, one of the most fascinating cards that for LeBron cards as someone who is not very knowledgeable on LeBron cards, I want to say his two thousand five finest. He is wearing a mask. Tommy, do you know that that's correct? Yeah, I think I believe it is. It might be oh four oh five. It might it might be oh four. It's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think about the villain LeBron. Um, on the heat, wearing the black mask after fracturing his nose. And that's one of LeBron. And then, of course, being told by the league that he cannot wear a black mask. He has to go revert to a clear mask. But that image of LeBron is just so stark and imposing. And I wish there were cards of that. Yeah, I think there might be one or two out there of that moment. But people might be shocked, you know, as a Warriors fan. I actually have one big collector project that I did when I first got back into collecting a couple years ago. That was focused on LeBron, specifically his Topps flagship print run. So luckily, growing up, I ripped a lot of Topps basketball. So I had a few of the years, including you know the ultimate one, the rookie uh, flagship LeBron, the white jer- the white suit one. Uh, so I put together a full print run of LeBron every year of his Topps flagship. So that's one of my favorite collecting projects that I've ever done, and is why I love always. And you know, I'm a huge stand for Topps cr- Topps and Topps Chrome basketball because of how good those cards are they just those cards and this is maybe just me being an old head and nostalgic you know man they just they're different they're better than panini basketball cards and it's and something my colleague Matt always says the hobby has grown for not any not by any direction of any company or technology it's just been kind of randomness in the community building aspect of it so yeah i mean i have very loosely sometimes picked up Carmelo Anthony Knicks cards and I don't want anything really that has to do with the Nuggets uniforms I don't really care about the Thunder and the post Knicks Carmelo Anthony but this was right during this transition like some of his you know best Knicks years was during the coexistence of Topps and Panini and when Panini got the license on their own so I mean but looking at okay a first prism Melo okay that's not his first Knicks card that's just his first prism card so teetering back and forth with that has definitely been an experience. Yeah. What what would be the most collectible clout Carmelo Anthony Knicks card to have? I own a card, a triple relic of Carmelo Anthony, Jose Calderon, and Tim Hardaway Jr. And I can't say that it is the most Knicks clout card in existence, but for someone that has, you know, remembers, you know, trading for Jose Calderon from the Mavericks and thinking, okay, this is a sweet grab. It just has a lot of meaning for me from when I was a Knicks fan during the middle school to high school age. 
I feel that when I, my favorite We Believe Warriors era card is this 0304 Tops Chrome Jason Richardson card. And in the background, it's like Baron Davis is guarding him. Well, I mean, Baron Davis is in a Hornets jersey, but it's a very forward thinking card. And the fact that they teamed up and had that big run. And that's my first real basketball memory is watching that team. So that card is always one I'm looking out for a black refractor at some point of the 03 Tops Chrome Jason Richardson. And it's not even the you know the print run that makes it hard. It's just that these cards are getting older and there's less and less surfacing. Yeah, for sure. And that is something that, you know, that's why I love going to shows is another reason is just you see some more of that older stuff and the parallels that maybe you wouldn't always be looking for of the older stuff. Uh, How many, you are so privileged in the shows that you go to. My shows are so bad and rarely have cool stuff. Dude, so, you should have come to this I'm, show, dude. This was, all right. I'm in, South, in South Jersey, like four hours away. Yeah, all oh. right, whatever. Shout out the Fishtown Card Show. Shout dude, out show. There was a shout out Chantilly. Show. Shout out Chantilly, which I'm trying to convince Tommy to go to. I'm. I, I hope I can make it out there. But can I, this show, dude, there's a hundred tables. I swear, eighty to seventy five percent of the dealers are guys like me and you, like our age guys. It was really cool. That's always cool to see. Yeah. No, but like, I spotted one of the average youngest. I spotted uh, one of your favorite cards in a showcase today: the Clay Thompson 2017 Finals, one of one. Which it's it's always funny when um you know that's a card that I was you know I, Tommy I guess you can take it from here. Oh well yeah this is just a final. So Max sent me a card. This is like the third person that sent me this card because I have the one out of ten of the Clay Thompson Finals patch from 2017. I think that's something long term. I'm gonna try to focus my collection on more as these Finals Warriors relics. Uh, I just think I, the the aspect of the history behind a card like that is significant and. Something that I've always wondered why baseball hasn't put more of an emphasis on, at least tops with these more high-end products, making one of the high-end products like, oh, you can get World Series relics in this product or something like that, I think would help elevate, help tops elevate a product uh, to one of the, as we talked about in previous episodes, their lack of a definitive, <laughs> lack for lack of a better word, a high-end product. I also, real quick, I forgot to mention this about Steph Curry and his rookie cards. His rookie card is the well, he has one of the first year in National Treasures basketball RPAs. Um, I've started to think that maybe Steph Curry, his career, I'm not sure that National Treasures would have as much clout without that history of Steph's first Steph being a part of the first uh, rookie class that had RPAs in it. What are your thoughts on that? theory hypothesis i know he just doesn't have many rpas to begin with because i want to say it's just national treasures and absolute i want to say that have rpas of steph curry and if there's more brands it's not many more um i'm a smooth brain i like taking over the baseball talking and that's where i am most knowledgeable but so i definitely am subsidiary to tommy and defer to him on basketball because that is exactly what he focuses on but it is cool to see panini's growth in basketball cards and that is a very significant set that carries weight with Steph Curry just exponentially increasing that significance. Yeah. What a what are you excited what, what are you excited about for 2022 the rest of the year and from baseball from baseball side of things? What are you excited for to come out? What are you looking to like is there any products that you're excited about? I am a little bit down in that and Keating back to earlier what I'm saying, we are at the mercy of these companies. So seeing tops 
produce a second Wander Franco flagship card that to our knowledge, I mean, not that it would mean any more difference, but that is not a rookie debut. Holding back Torkelson, Julio Rodriguez, and Bobby Witt for Tops update. I do like that it makes it so these cards aren't in factory sets and will, if anything, lower the mass production of them. But I'm going to be targeting... I'm in a building stage right now with my cards, with my bankroll, with my life in general, and that I'm you know still looking for a job regarding the chemistry, and that's just my own life pursuits. But I am not really enthused by the state of collecting new baseball product right now. And if I am, it's because I'm only going to be hunting for parallels and higher end stuff. I really don't like that we have 100,000 or a million Wander Franco base paper cards. Yeah, so for the record, that Wander card apparently is going to be more like his card with Vlad Jr., that like Slugger's card. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's supposed to be him and Tatis. So that they clarified on that card. Did they? Okay, then I'm yeah. out of the note on that. That was from our boy Ryan Cracknell, the, uh, the law guy. He's the man. <laughs> oh, he is so knowledgeable. Yeah, so follow at, him. At, at Trader Cracks. Yeah, at Trader Cracks. He's the man. But yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I've had the same thought about Oh, these cards might not, aren't, aren't going to be in complete sets now. That's kind of good, but then I'm like, why am I even thinking that? Why am I why am I supporting this behavior by Todd? This is well, I will say this is going to be Target is going to be so overwhelmed. Even I mean, I don't know what the current SRP of Topps Chrome update is, but this is going to be the best year of Topps Chrome update if Torkelson and Wit can turn themselves around. Julio Rodriguez has already turned himself around. No, they're going to put those guys in Topps Chrome. No, I mean. I mean, maybe they put them in Topps Chrome. They're going to be an up t- an update, so they're going to have Topps Chrome update cards regardless. To my knowledge, I don't know. Maybe this is just all speculation. But, I'm, I'm but 2018 Topps Chrome update was huge for cards and card collecting, even and if being a retail exclusive product. So seeing a possible comeback of that in 2022 is something to keep an eye on. For if you are ripping 2022 Top Series two, go to your Walgreens and do their hangers. Six yellow parallels per box. Best value, no matter nah, what. They're not. They're not doing those this year. What do you mean they're not doing those this year? They're not doing those this year. They have the Meyer purples, but they don't have the Walgreens yellows. There's. No, have you seen a Walgreens yellow yellow wander? No, but they usually stagger themselves a month late anyway. No, nah, but that's been way more than a month. Oh man, this is Are bad you news. <laughs> it makes me want to. I I don't need to be ripping. I do not need to be ripping. For the, so for for the record. Tops used to have a deal with Walmart where Walmart would put six yellow parallels in these hangers that they would sell. All right, Walgreens, excuse me, Walgreens. Don't want to mix up the big conglomerates, but uh, the print run on those, what it, I forget what it was, but it was you know pretty low considering you know it's just a specific to one store and they're specifically to their hangers. I know that's one of the products that you would rip. Yes, um, I am disenthused from modern baseball card ripping at the moment because i was looking at i have a, actually i'm not biased at all but i have a stash of 30 2020 top series two walgreens yellow hangers and i was looking at the back of the box and i'm like wow golds are one per two hangers that's so much different than what it is even two years later yeah it's crazy i yeah. want to know right now golds are like one per hobby box Give yeah they're like one in eight hangers i want to say i think i have a hanger somewhere but it's like it's low yeah which is nuts um, and something that's big about, you know, golds and black parallels specifically is that the gold parallel is always the current year and the black parallel is the amount of years Tops has been printing cards. 
And so they both only increase by one card in the print one each year. So they can sneakily boost the rainbow foil um, circulation as much as they want because it's unnumbered. And same thing with image variations. But the golds and the blacks, and of course, some of the other parallels like the Independence Memorial, Father's Mother's Day parallels, you know, those are always kind of constant. But gold being the most popular, being the most highly printed serial numbered parallel, seeing the odds of those change over the years is just drastic. Yeah. Uh, can I drop one knowledge bomb on you about there's one year since 2003 that tops did not make a black parallel numbered out of the year of, um, uh, out of how many years tops has been making cards. I want to say it was like 2019. It is 2007, 2007, because 2007 has the black border on the base card. They made copper parallels that year that are numbered out of whatever that year is. I think. Okay. Like not to be confused with 2010 where they had the retail Walmart black and the actual black. Well, yeah, that, I think they did that a few years, actually. I think they might have done that okay. in 2011, too. But the, Interesting. Yeah, the, so the coppers are in 2007, and there's no blacks. Yeah, there's no blacks because there's a black border this on is, the base. This is fascinating. Yeah, and that makes sense. That makes sense because it's a black border base. And I always knew there was a black border base. I didn't know what they did about it. And there's an alternative history where 2007 tops is way more iconic for baseball if Troy Tulowitzki and Tim Lincecum and actually, you know, fulfilled the promise of their first few years uh those guys both had rookies in that year and that was i mean that was supposedly a controversial set back in the day because of the black border but i love 2007 tops that marshawn's from that but that yeah, i cool. can't i can't wait till i'm 50 and i'm gonna be able to educate people on 2014 tops oh i can't oh you ripped a 2014 fat pack this week max was jealous of that I am. I was, in fact, jealous of that. Shout out, Abby. But uh, yeah, I got to rip a 2014 Series One fat pack yesterday because of a girl that I'm seeing named Abby, and I ripped and I got a green parallel, which I think was like one in 71 fat packs, which is pretty cool, and a for a red foil, red foil, your favorite parallel. I, I believe greens are. I don't want to you know put a dimmer on you, but I'm pretty sure greens are retail exclusive specifically to fat packs. Oh, okay. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. So no, they they had a bunch of like weird retail parallels, which honestly is so sick because they had so many weird retail par- like blasters had their own exclusive, and other products had their own exclusive thing. So that was in of itself just very interesting to see. Yeah, I you want to know an even weird fact. Tops one time. I don't know if this this could have been a multiple time thing, but I know specifically one year they released a parallel for series two that they did not have in series one in 2010. Series two has this. Uh, I forget what the color it is. It's some sort of weird color, and it's out of like 2.99 or 4.99 or something. And they do not have it in series one, but they do have it in series two. Kind of like 2019 Walgreens, where they have it for series one, don't have it for series two, have it for update. <laughs> see this is this is I go, I, I've, been, I've been to a lot of walgreens this is why people that. listen to us for weird knowledge like this max yes do you have any other weird parallel knowledge like that that you went like off the top of your head right now that you want to drop on people single most fun rip of my life was 2019 tops update walgreens yellow hangers i bought like 15 and i ripped all of them and <laughs> it was very fun dude what was the best hit um austin riley i think true yellow kesson hero true yellow um, I didn't hit a Vlad. The fuck and, is true yellow? <laughs> well, I mean, you don't want to confit it. You know, you mean it with Walgreens wall, wall yellow. yellow. With a fake yellow. What the? <laughs> but, dude, think, I mean, imagine you're opening, like, or you're opening a hanger, and it's update, all right? And you have six gold parallels in every single hanger. 
Like, because that's what it essentially is. I mean, they're unnumbered, but they're half the print run, so that equals out. You're having six parallels for Hanger. That's just so sweet. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I, you're making me want to rip some hangers, dude. Why are you doing this to me? I just want to rip now. But, don't do uh, it. I know I don't do it. I say that after I ripped a prison draft picks basketball blaster last night. Oh my! You seek help. Seek help. Uh, do you have any thing that you're watching? Anything you bought recently on eBay that you want to talk about, Max? What I've been slowing down my eBay buys in part because I've just been going to shows um i was targeting a i didn't win this you know disclaimer but um Ermzy, the project 2020 and project 70 artist had um oh, in addition to the tops released items the rainbow foils the artist proofs the gold frame on his own private website he has auto, he autographs a few copies of the cards and what stumbled its way to pwcc's auction last week was the one of one Ermzy autograph of the project 70 fernando tatis and I got into a bidding war. I got distracted and I lost. It ended at about $500 anyway, which was teetering onto my comfort on buying that card. But that is the most interesting card that I was looking at this week. Yeah, I, that damn, that's a bummer. But um, to my disappointment, I, I have not bought a card off eBay since May 28th. Wow. Seek help. I'm just kidding. But no, I bought a cool I, card no, today. I hope you're not kidding. I do need to seek help. I need to be buying more. You need to be buying more? No. Oh, I, uh, so there's a 2019 optic insert of Clay Thompson at the All-Star game, and he's being guarded by Steph Curry. This is a card that's very important to me. I think this card is going to be awesome long-term. Steph Curry guarding Clay Thompson in the All-Star game in an optic insert. So I've been trying to... Uh, you know, No one ever lists these for sale. I think collectors know about this card and are kind of hoarding it but i got a disco prism of it today which was great and in the long journey of me trying to find chess cards i stumbled across a set on ebay this year this week that has a bunch of the grandmasters all the ones that you would want to know even magnus carlson the number one chess player for the past decade in the world and a guy that up until the point where I found this auction or found this listing on eBay, I thought he had one single card ever made. And now I'm going to be the owner of a Magnus Carlsen card thanks to this weird set that is in Spanish, but it also shows some of his moves on the back of the cards for the people back home. So this is the front. It's just a small picture of him and a big bio written. Uh, I have no idea anything about these cards other than the fact that he's on it. And there's a Bobby Fisher one. Uh, there's a Kasparov one. There's some... So if anyone's been following my journey here trying to pick up chess cards, this was a massive, massive, massive pickup for me. And I'm very excited to have these in hand, even if they aren't really real, super, quote unquote, real cards. Uh, we'll see what they feel like and what the, you know, what the deal is with them. But, you know, they got to be just as real as like a Top Trumps card or something. Top Trumps definitely is weird. Yeah. I'll Top say Trump that. I don't have much to comment on the Magnus just because it is something so foreign to me that I'm so trying to conceive and understand. Yeah, it seems like it could be just like a game of some sort. I don't know. We're, I'm going to have to figure it out. None are graded by PSA as far as I can tell. So I don't expect this to be something that is going to be a bajillion dollar card. But just as a collector of funny things and things that I think are rare and cool, this is going to be something I'm going to show people and be like, hey, you're into chess. You don't care about sports at all. But check out this Magnus Carlsen card I have. I'll probably post it on Reddit or something on the chess uh, subreddit. You fucking Redditor. 
dude it's fun all right for the listeners back at home i've been posting some of my like non-sports stuff my chess card that i bought like an amy polar parks and rec card i post them on like subreddits for like the parks and rec subreddit i'll post one of my parks and rec cards uh been getting some good traction a lot of people seem to enjoy it uh some subreddits more than others <laughs> max has no thoughts on that but that's just been my weird zero thing. it's my way of trying to grow the hobby max come on I'm glad you are a hobby grower. All right. That's what it is. You want to say? Um, I don't have too much to say. Um, That's all I have to say. I know that I've really just been immersing myself in shows, in, I guess, trade nights when applicable, Um, enjoying the in-person interactions more because the people that go to these bleaker trade nights are also the same people that go to these Jersey shows and seeing the familiar faces starting the conversations having the oh wait i've had this exact conversation with you before let's know ourselves a little bit deeper those are always the fun epiphanies to have and part of what amplifies and bolsters collecting yeah and that my uh my brother future brother-in-law andrew also said that like at the show every most tables i'd go like hey it's his first card show and every single person was so nice to him so welcoming yes Uh, that's what it's all about my biggest challenge is getting one of my friends from home one of my closest best friends who has said he wants to get into cards but doesn't love love sports very much but he is attract i mean he's into nfts now but he's attracted into the flipping aspect the card aspect why like some stuff is cooler and why isn't and like i just can't get him hooked no matter everything i'm trying take take him to a show dude i've been to a show with him before okay okay well it's not enough to grease the wheels but i am it is june 7th and i am enjoying collecting and shows we should we should have a segment at some point about like getting people into cards and like what you're different not like pushing it on them but if someone is coming oh someone's expressed interest yeah it's something that's difficult to foster it's like newborn baby want to rock it to the cradle make sure it goes to sleep at night i want to get these people hooked into what i'm hooked into if they express interest on their own yeah if they express interest and that's kind of the thing like i can always kind of tell like especially now that i work for ludx and i'm like yeah like we're making a platform for trading cards and people are like either i can tell extremely yeah either extremely interested in what we're doing or like just simply do not give a fuck so uh it was always great max the last couple weeks you had guests and it was nice just to talk to you dude and hear about what you're what you're up to yes always riffing and raffing riff raff etc well uh we'll see you guys next week in the meantime max where can they find you they can find me at cards max on twitter and instagram we are going to be having spaces again very soon i was gonna say bring the spaces back i feel like no spaces spaces will be back all right, good. Big time. You can find me at TV Sports Cards. Go sign up for Ludx. It's going to be changing the shit up. Uh, Ludx is the company that I work for. They're making a cool thing. But if you made it this far in the podcast, you probably already know who I am. You probably already know who Max is. But we got big plans coming this summer. We're going to be going to the National. We're going to be doing, recording a podcast live there once Max figures his life out. And I'm going to try and convince Tommy to go to a big show in Chantilly with me. I hope so. I hope so. Well, I'll see you guys all next week, Max. As always, it was a pleasure, dude.